Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. A little different than what we normally do. Normally, we'll, we'll sing through you know, three or four songs. I'll come up and preach one whole sermon. What I'm going to do today is we're going to kind of split it up into four parts, and I'm going to keep those four parts pretty short, <coughs> fairly short. I promise. I'm going to try, okay? Um, but what we're talking about is the acts of worship. Uh, what do I mean by that? Um, four parts to what our worship should really look like. And so that's what we're going to go through today. Uh, and it really breaks down into an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S. And what they stand for is this. The A is for adoration. The C is for confession. The T is for thanksgiving. And the S is for supplication. Now, supplication might be a word that some of us don't know. That's okay. We're going to figure out what that word means in a little while, okay? But right now, we're going to talk about adoration. Um, and worshiping God through adoration, it's pretty easy for us to understand what adoration is. It is adoring someone. It is, it is being infatuated to a point where you just have to express it. And that's not something that always that we do in worship. It's not the first thing always that we think about is coming to God in adoration. Um, you ever come up to somebody and before you ever get the hellos or how you doings or hey you look nice today, you get a hey you got five five or ten bucks for me. Like that's not exactly what you want to hear first thing from somebody, right? If you're a parent of a teenager, you've probably had that before. Like your kid wakes up, they're all grumpy, their hair isn't combed yet, and they're like oh hey good morning, just give me money, mom and dad. Like that's what it feels like for us. And sometimes I, I wonder if, if that's not what God feels when we come to him. When we don't come with adoration first. Our tendency is to bypass all of the, the lovey stuff with God. And if we did that in a relationship with somebody that we were trying to get to marry us, it maybe wouldn't work out so well. And so here's what um, the psalmist David says in, Rome, in Psalm chapter 8. Uh, he doesn't treat God like a genie in a bottle. And sometimes I, I, I know that I have a tendency to do that. And I love this, this psalm because he is giving his adoration to God. And here's what it says. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place... What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. See, our words have a lot to do with setting up the environment around us. If any of you guys were um, in sports when you were younger and you had a coach who was maybe just harsh and negative and, and would ride on you as a team all the time and never gave the other side of that, Maybe your team started to become a team that would bicker a lot and just didn't get along super well. Um, as parents, if, if we as parents are constantly saying that our kids are unruly and they don't, they're not disciplined, guess what's probably going to take place? As we ride on our kids like that, they're going to continue to be unruly and undisciplined. But a friend who encourages us can set about an environment where we can grow and where, where good things happen. 
And with God, the way that we approach God is going to, it's going to affect our worship of God. It's going to affect the way that we interact with God. It's going to affect, affect the way that we interact with other people. But in Psalm 8, what happens here is David is putting his adoration at the front end of his worship. Now, do we know what's going on in David's life at this point? Not really. He might be at a high point. He might be at a low point. We're not really sure. But what we realize is that David isn't focused on his own personal circumstances. He's focused on God's unmatched and unending goodness. He's not focused on his circumstances. He's focused on God. He's focused on who God is. And that's why he's able to give God adoration. And the thing is, I don't know what your circumstances are today. I don't know if you're coming in here in an in a awful place, in a great place. Uh, you didn't, maybe you got pulled here. You didn't want to be here. I don't know. But I know this. There's a good chance that there's going to be many days where you're going to have to choose the right kind of attitude for worship. Because your circumstances aren't going to dictate worship. Your circumstance doesn't dictate God's worthiness of worship. The circumstance of God's incredible character and goodness is what dictates his worthiness of our worship. It's not your circumstances, it is God's character. That's why it's so important for us to come first and adore God. Because no matter what your circumstances are, God's character never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always good. Sometimes we forget that. So right now what I want us to do is we go in, we're going to go into a couple more songs here. I want us to take the concentration off of ourselves for a little bit this morning. Take all the concentration off yourself. Stop thinking about how it was that you woke up today, the frustrations that you've got, the good or the bad. Stop focusing on your feelings. What I want us to do right now is I want us to focus on God. Focus on God's character. Focus on God's incredible love, his perfect love. We remember his goodness first, and we do this because it puts God at the forefront of our minds instead of ourselves. We are people who, like, it's, it's what we are. We put ourselves at the forefront of our minds a lot of the time. So in this moment of adoration, the, the objective is put God at the forefront. Okay. Uh, but the second part we're going to talk about right now is confession. Uh, confession... Confession is not easy for any of us, right? It's not easy for you to admit that you're wrong. Uh, man, my wife, she'll try to tell me something that, and I am one of those guys, like, I will just, even when I get to the point sometimes, I'm like, I'm actually pretty sure that they're right. I'll still be like, no, you're wrong. We'll look it up on Google, and, it, and it'll tell me that I'm the wrong one. I'll be like, I think Google's wrong. Like, I say English. Everybody else around me says it's something like English. They're wrong. That's English, okay? So, yes, we, we don't like to admit when we're wrong. And the first area of confession, when it comes to worship, it's probably fairly obvious. It's confessing things to God. But again, it doesn't mean, just because we know what it is, it doesn't mean it's easy for us. Confession is the thing that stops self-righteousness in its tracks. I want to read to you something that comes out of Luke 18. Uh, it's a little parable that Jesus tells us. It says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heavens, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, confession reminds us of the incredible grace that each and every one of us needs. When I am not able or willing to confess things to God, it's actually me saying, I'm too good. I don't need that. I don't need grace. Confession reminds me of the grace that I need. But scripture also talks about a second way that we're called to confess. And the second way that we're called to confess is actually to other people. It says in Matthew 5, this is Jesus, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first, first go, and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Why would Jesus try to get us to reconcile with somebody else before we worship? It's kind of it's frustrating because we've all got stuff... I, I, people have stuff against us. I think in this passage, he's actually trying to say, they have something against you because you did something. <laughs> you did something that needs to be reconciled. You need to go to that person. And so, I don't know about any of you, I have, I've always had one of, my conscience has always been like on high alert all the time. I've, ever since I was a little kid, I've always feel guilty about something. It's usually because I'm doing something stupid. I, I do a lot of stupid stuff, and so I feel guilty all the time. Um, but I know that if I've got something, if somebody's got something against me because I did something wrong, it's like a wall that goes up even between me and God. That feeling of guilt, I just know, like, I gotta, I feel like I gotta make something right before I can get right with God and get that wall out of there. Well, this last week, I remember I... I woke up in the morning, I was, I was realizing like something that I had said the night before to some friends, like, yeah, it just didn't sit right with me. And I th- I'm like, yeah, that, that, that couldn't have gone over super well. So I made, I made sure one of the first things in the morning, I was texting those people, just, hey, I apologize for, for what I did. There's something about reconciling with people that it's, it's actually needs to be a part of our worship. If I can't admit my wrongs, then pride my pride is winning out, and I'm not capable of tr- true worship. If I can't admit when I've messed up, I have got too much pride, and it is really hard to worship a God who loves us in grace if we're letting pride just stay there. Have you ever known people who don't like to apologize? They're not super fun people to be around, are they? Have you ever known people like me who they do so many stupid things that they always have to apologize? Also not very fun to be around, probably. But we need to be people who are willing to apologize, to confess, not just to God, but to other people. And it may not be the right thing right now if you're like, you've got, you know somebody's got something against you in here. Maybe right now is not the time to walk over to them while we worship, like, hey, apologize. But at some point, we have to learn to confess. Here's what a, a pastor named Paul David Tripp says. He says, every time you work to make a wrong you've done look right, you deny the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand with me for a minute? We're going to sing some songs here again.
And as we stand, I want you to think about that. If I'm trying so hard to make my wrongs look right, I haven't confessed. I haven't let my pride go away. We need in our worship to humble ourselves, to confess. And so as we sing the song, the song is, Lord, I need you. As we sing the song, it's okay for us to admit it, that we need you, God. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness because I, I mess up. In just a few minutes, I want to talk about Thanksgiving. Um, not, the, not the holiday Thanksgiving. I want to talk about giving thanks to God. And at this point, we have talked about giving adoration to God. Um, it's good to start off your conversation with somebody in, in, a, in a good way, adoring them. It's good to do that with God. Uh, guys, if you're married, I would suggest, uh, you know, your wife wakes up in the morning before they've done anything to get ready, just say, hey, you look good today. Like, it's going to help that day be better. It starts everybody off on the, on the right note. And that's, that's part of the adoration with God, starting things off in the, right, in the right frame of mind. But then there's also, we talked about confession. And now we get to Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is not a ton different than adoration. Um, but it's actually giving God, specifically giving God thanks for, for his goodness. Adoration is kind of almost more of a declaration of how, you know, who God is, his character, all that. The thanks is giving the thanks for that part of who he is. And so we've got a, a sign in our house, in our dining room that says, always Always, always. There's always, always, always something to be thankful for. How many of you actually live with that kind of attitude on a consistent basis? My guess is there's a lot of days where that thankfulness, that attitude, it's not who we are. We don't live in a perpetual state of thankfulness. But I think that it's super, super important for us as Christians to be in a thankful mindset. So 1 Thessalonians, here's what it says. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How in the world are we supposed to give thanks in all circumstances? Like, is that actually what Paul meant when he wrote that part of that letter? Well, I, I looked at the Greek, the actual Greek words for what he, what, what he was trying to say here. And you know what, the, what he actually means when he says all circumstances? It's this Greek word... Pass. Do you know what the word actually means? All things. It just means all things. He, he's saying give thanks in all things. Now I want you to notice what's not being said. He's not saying give thanks for all things. I also looked at the Greek there. Was, it, was he saying give thanks in all things or give thanks for all things? He's saying give thanks in all things. And there's a difference between giving thanks for all things and giving thanks in all things, Right? Like, you don't have to give thanks for your bad boss. But you should probably give thanks in the circumstance that you have a job so that you can have a bad boss. Right? Some of you are like, no, he's that bad. <laughs> it's just, I don't need to be thankful. Okay. But as followers of Jesus, we do need to work at thankfulness. You don't have to be thankful for your devastating injury that occurred in your, in your body. But can you be thankful for the circumstance that maybe it wasn't worse or that there's something that you've learned through that circumstance? Now, is this, is this an extreme version of uh, thinking the glass is half full rather than the glass is half empty? Maybe. But you know what? I know too many people who say that they love Jesus 
who are glasses half empty kind of people. We don't live in a perpetual state of thankfulness. And some days I wake up and I don't live in that perpetual state of thankfulness. What is it that can make us be people who are glasses half full kind of people? There has to be something that we can be thankful for all the time. And here's what it is. In all of our circumstances, no matter what your circumstance is, we know that Jesus loved us enough that he was willing to come to this world and die for us. I don't care if you can't be thankful for anything. Remembering the cross, remembering the blood that Jesus shed for you, the body that he gave up for you, is enough reason to make us thankful. When I'm acting like a crabby person all the time, there's days where I'm just crabby, okay? I don't know about you, I've, I have crabby, crabby days. My wife would probably be like, it's most of the time. No, it's not. I used to be a really bad morning person. I'm actually really great at it now. I love people in the morning, okay? But there's crabby moments. But in those moments, if I would remember the cross, that's something to be thankful for. No matter what's going on in your life, you know that Jesus came and died for you. Some people think it's awful that God expects perfection. But you know what? He expects perfection, but he knew you and I were going to be so imperfect that he literally came to this world in the person of Jesus, and he died for us. Man, that is something to be thankful for. We have to come to that place where we understand the depth of how awesome that is. We've done adoration. We've done confession. We've done thanksgiving. We've talked about all these things. And here's the thing. This is not just about for a time of corporate worship like this. This is what we, what we should, how we should be doing it in our own time, praying with God. Um, but some of you are like, man, when, when do I get to tell God what I need? Like, I, I got stuff I got to, like, I got a request I got to make to God. This is the supplication aspect of this. Okay, this is, supplication is humbly bringing our requests to God. And so, every single one of us, we know, man, I got, I got needs, I got things that I, I want God to do in my life. And you know what, I think God is totally 100% okay with us going and asking him for things. God doesn't want us to live an anxious life. And I know for me, I, I'm able to, when I'm able to give over my request to God, it is, it is being able to give up some of that anxiety over to him. My kids, um, man, my kids ask me and my wife uh, literally a billion questions a day. I said literal because I think it is literally a billion. It's all the time. It's never ending. Why do they do that? They do it because they're trying to give a little bit of their anxiety up to us. Ask us the questions. Let us answer all the stuff. And, and that's what we want from God. But if you're anything like me, a little bit too often times, my time with God is, I treat it like it's a, he's a genie in a bottle. Too many questions. Too many things that I need. But Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, it, he's getting back to that with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Why is the thanksgiving part so important first? It's because Paul knows, as he's writing this, that if you and I get into a thankful mindset, it's so much more likely that you and I are going to pray for the will of God. But if I'm not thankful, if I'm not content, all my prayers are going to lean towards my selfish nature. 
God, you need to do this for me. God, I... The thankfulness weeds a lot of that out. Now, this last song that we're going to sing, uh, it's not a song that where we're just making requests to God. I don't know of a worship song where it's like us just making requests to God. But what I like about this song, um, it's called Yes and Amen. And what it talks about is it talks about God's faithfulness. That in, in his promises to us, his answer is yes. That's a really cool thing about God. His answer to us is yes. And the promises that he's given. Now it doesn't mean that everything I ask is going to be a yes. But he's promised faithfulness. He's promised goodness. More than anything, he's promised us salvation through Jesus. His answers to us, to those promises, are yes. Now in your personal life, you might have some super pressing things going on in your life. You might have desires that you want to give over to God. And you know what? Give them over to God. You got requests. Give those requests over to God. It is 100% okay to ask God things. But it's also best if we do it in this process of adoring God, confessing what's in our heart to God, thanking God for who he is. And now we come to him in the right humble heart, the right attitude, and we can ask him things. And so as we sing this song, maybe, maybe you're not going to sing it out loud. Maybe there's things that are burning in your heart. Man, I got to give this over to God today. Do that. That's, God is okay with that. And his answer to us, he's got promises for us, and it's yes. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.